This episode of Only Real Fans is brought to you by Karen Twins Productions and their upcoming series, Play It By Ear, which will be released in May of 2023. In the meantime, you can catch the Didgeridouche for free on the Karen Twins YouTube channel. Enjoy. I was surprised because the last episode we did was the in-betweeners and thinking back on that episode is pretty much just Brian and I talking about all our favorite parts of that show but there's no substance in that show so there's nothing substantive like substantive to talk about and then I'm watching this what is it 12 minute short and I'm like damn there's so many different angles I want to talk about with this short. think that was intentional on our part like how much credit can we take for for there being sort of uh, subtext and themes and how much just happened i think we could take some credit but i also think a lot of stuff just happened kind of luckily or was improv that we figured out that we put it in the cut we were like oh that was funny we didn't expect that yeah i've, al- I've yeah. always viewed this short as like you guys needed to do this for like your program in australia and either dylan was probably just like it would be funny to watch Simon try and play a didgeridoo on camera. That's almost exactly what happened in like a class. Like just thinking to myself of Simon, like having one long, like Simon, you, you basically, you and Brian, but you, as I remember, you have just very long appendages, like compared to me. And I just had a like image in my head of like, let's just give you another one, but it's an instrument. And it made me laugh so hard to think about that. A third leg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but that's almost exactly how that, yeah, Brad, that's, that's exactly what happened. I actually hate talking to people about how it was part of our program because I'm so proud of it as just its standalone thing that I feel it almost diminishes the quality to say it was like a student film we had to do. Well, I think- Well, it's I, one I, thing to have a, to have a phoned in student film. It's another thing to have something that's like just funny and like sticks with you. Like the, I agree the video you. I made in high school, I got in so much trouble for it, but it was, yeah, I made it because I had to make it for my assignment. <laughs> yeah. Definitely when I watch it, the few references to the BU student program, I'm like, ah, I wish we could have taken those out because then it does like lock it into that time and place in a way that if it, if those weren't there, it would just be more like a universal sort of comedic short film. But I also like telling people that because a it's sort of like we went above and beyond for this project in a really fun way and we really ran with it but also b i think it it's my excuse for why the quality is like the technical quality is so shitty that's like we they just gave us this old equipment from the 90s like it's all we had to work with it was just for a class and we just went out and made this goofy weird thing yeah exactly and that and the style or like the quality does help with like the comedy of the film I was going to say that, like, I almost kind of think like it feels older than it is because it's just fucking ancient. Like it's an ancient camera. In fact, I was, uh, I was archiving, uh, photos on our Instagram recently cause we've been a little bit more active for all our listeners. But, uh, and one of the posts that I came across was a picture of Brian and I just like, I have us like staring down the lens of cameras and the camera that I'm using is that Sony on the beach for didgeridoo. And I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. That thing looks like something out of like the seventies, dude. It's so old. It looks like I'm filming a news segment, which is just, yeah. I mean, pretty much what, like, I think also kind of helped the idea. 
Yeah, and kind of like what we were doing. We're like, let's just make a news story about like a BU student trying to learn this instrument or something along those lines, but it kind of fit the vibe. So I actually, I don't think that the quality, I think the quality is a testament to the film itself. It, if it was good quality, it would be worse. Well, basically that the Didgeridoo is novice filmmakers with absolute shit equipment, but a pretty good idea, basically. Like always. Yeah, is what it is. Yeah, and, and Dylan, you could never even like, really shot anything before like you had barely even touched wow. a camera i remember going into it and i remember being like oh okay like i wonder how this you'll do like i had to just trust you you know because i was in character just doing whatever i just had to trust you that you would capture it well and i remember being nervous about that at first but then we'd watch playback and i was like oh my gosh you like this guy is yeah he's got like honestly like in, instinctual is is actually the word that comes to mind because i feel like this is true of you with pretty much any sort of realm of filmmaking where if someone shows you just the basic bare minimum technical skills you need to get by you're just like oh I, this makes sense to me now i can just do this like, i was i remember being surprised and impressed watching the stuff you shot. I was like, oh, he knew exactly where to zoom in there and what was what to do to make it funnier. And like nobody nobody showed you that. And you just kind of did it and it was right. Or at least to me it was right. Camera the pans are, are so funny. They're like some of the highlights of that film. Oh yeah. Tr truth is I still don't know what I was doing. And if people try to put a camera in my hands nowadays, I say the same thing. Like I don't want to touch it. Like I'm even scared to touch the the record button because I'm terrified that I'm going to not record. Like I've inverted the movement. So I'm now recording when I don't want to record and I'm, you know, like just completely uh, backwards. But I don't know, for some reason with this one, like I felt like it was really, we had the idea so clearly. It was the only time I've ever felt like we touched, like I touched comedy where I was just like, oh, that is the most logical and funny next step for this story to take. So we just may as well do that. I feel like we had maybe one or two disagreements, um, but on the majority, we was kind of, oh, oh, we'll, we'll get to them. I still think we have to introduce the project and what it was, but we're just kind of chatting right now. But uh, it was... It was just so easy to find the next steps. Like we kind of just thought to ourselves like, okay, it's let's just interview you for like 25 minutes and based off how that interview goes, just like find different things to cut to that happen and we'll just like, they'll be funny. But that's that's not just me filming it. That's really, I think you're just a funny dude. Like everybody that's seen it just kind of compares it to like an office style humor. You're just, you, you really... I knew it from the moment that we met. I was like, you're going to easily get that. Like, just like exactly that sort of awkwardness that you need for this, that you're cringing, but you're laughing so hard at it. I think that's why it holds up too, because that's still such a like staple uh, sort of comedic element in like modern day, like comedy. So it's still just funny to me now, you know? Yeah, people like the, the cringe slash like reality improv like type humor. Yeah. I I think my like there's so much I want to talk. Well, about. we should just introduce it first. Yeah. What what is the name of this beautiful project? Should I do it? Our guest can. All right. Sure. The star himself. Hey everyone, this is Simon Keditz Kincaid, and I'm here on the Karen Twins podcast talking with my boys Dylan and Brian about the Didgeridoo, which is a short film that Dylan and I made together in 2017 while we were in college, and it's the first thing we ever collaborated on. And it's uh, it's the start of our filmmaking relationship, and it's about uh, me. I play a fictional sort of character based on myself who 
travels to Sydney, Australia as part of a study abroad program and decides that he is going to pick up the didgeridoo and that's going to become his new hobby. And he gets way, way too passionate about it and way too self-important about it very quickly. And it's <laughs> funny. Yeah, that's, uh, I guess, a little bit of um, just a little, just a little taste. It's fucking hilarious. It's, dude, everyone I've shown it to, like, as the years have gone by, have just, like, like cried laughing. Like, Dom has watched it three times on her own just because she thinks <laughs> it's so funny. She was the one that's like, you should do this podcast because that, that deserves more eyes. Like, it it's really so does. funny still. It is. I kind of wish you introduced yourself something like Simon Keenan's Kincaid, uh, former douche, current didgeridoo player, or vice versa. <laughs> Uh, hello, I'm Simon Keenitz Kincaid, retired professional didgeridoo artist and still a douche filmmaker. <laughs> Transitioned my doucheness into new art forms now. <laughs> Looking back at it, like what we were talking about before, like the the quality of it kind of is just like how we got away with certain things too. Um, and I don't know if I'd necessarily want to change that. Like, like you were saying with like the BU stuff, like taking that out, I feel like that almost just gives us that little bit of like, oh, but it's a student film. So the bar is really low. So then like what we ended up doing just looked that much better versus it being like an actual sort of film. Um, it also makes it funny though, that it's like a student, like on a study abroad program, like, I don't know, like college student, like finding himself via the didgeridoo. <laughs> Yeah, it's I mean, that, that was that adds uh, another layer to it. It's funny. I think that was part of what we were going for, which is like rooting it in enough real elements that it felt like it maybe could be authentic and not satire. You know, as you start to watch it and it goes on, you are like, oh, this is clearly a joke. But it starts off with true information about like, hello, I'm Simon. I'm in the study abroad program. I'm here in Sydney, Australia. I'm clearly, I, those things are clearly true. I actually am in Sydney, Australia and, and I'm like an American college kid. So it starts from a place of reality and the closer you can get it to that, the funnier it will be because then people are like, actually, wow, this kid is actually doing all this dumb stuff. Like the moments where I'm actually going and playing with the street performers or handing out flyers are funny because they're like, he actually is doing this. I don't know if it's, quote unquote real but in one sense it is real and like i can't believe he did this i can't believe i did this i, I when i watch honestly it, can't I, can't yeah. either there's certain parts um but you you playing with the guys on the street the just i wish i was there i wish i could have been there and like watch that happen i feel like that's the like kind of the genius of it too is even when i was there watching simon do it it was really hard to gauge what was real sometimes and what wasn't real and I think that's what made it so funny. Like, there is a great moment where you, where, Sai, like, you just acted so natural, but you're handing out flyers and, like, this really pretty girl walks by and you go, hey, like, you just, like, completely <laughs> shut down. And I was convinced you actually, like, kind of got embarrassed. And you're like, nah, dude, I was acting. I was like, all right. And kind of feigning that that realism with that so, sort of, like, uh, fake mockumentary style, which is what, I still think just makes it so funny. There's elements in there too where you're definitely not faking it. Like the street performers, obviously we asked them. We didn't just have you go sit with those guys, but whatever noises you were blowing into the did you do were pretty much the best of your ability to play that fucking instrument. You're like yeah, Squidward. 
I'm at the clarinet. No, I mean, I was embarrassed the whole time. Like I was acting the whole time, but I was also really embarrassed the whole time. So again, it's yeah. that sort of right next to reality. Like I'm in character, but it, it, that was maybe the hardest part, maybe not the hardest part, but like having to show no embarrassment as the character because he has no self-awareness whatsoever. Yeah. And I, yeah, I don't, I honestly, I, like when I watch it, it feels like I just disassociated. Like I don't remember... I don't remember doing those things. I remember having the ideas. I remember the creative process with you, Dylan, think coming up with ideas that we thought would be really funny and things this character would say and what I wanted him to do and what we wanted him to dress like and having the sort of creative ideas. But then once I was in character, it's the only, it's the only time I've ever done that. Just be a character and go into a situation and see what happens without really like a script or anything. I, and I don't, I just, I, yeah, it feels like I just disassociated because I watch it now. I'm like, who is that? Is that me? Did I do that? I don't remember that. That's crazy that I did. Blacked out. I blacked out. I mean, I think that's like what partially like we were talking about, like how much was prepared, how much were we kind of lucky? I mean, looking back at it, I think we only had a month and a half to prepare this. Like it wasn't very long. I, we, we were in Sydney for four months and half of the program was dedicated to jobs and the other half was dedicated to classes. So this was the class portion. So, and we definitely didn't spend the whole time of that class working on this project. So it wasn't very long. So there were days where I think we did have like a rough idea of what we wanted to have happen, but I will never forget when we had to do the con like the song in the music video, which I don't remember when the inception of that idea came, but I do remember the day we decided to edit it. You came down from our, our uh, dorm room and you were just like, all right, I just recorded some lyrics in the bathroom. And I was like, right now? You're like, yeah, I just like watched it and kind of just threw something together. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I remember putting it in and we did not change it from there. We, because it was almost like the like the important part is that the character Simon Keenitz Kincaid in the story is confident, so that he wouldn't do a second draft, which gave us the room to almost just be like, all right, I guess fuck it, like whatever Simon says in this first draft is kind. Of <laughs>
Oh, so, I remember so wait, yeah. so the lyrics, like when you were writing the song, were you just like writing a song or did you have anything to like a, like a beat to go off of or anything? So that we, was all made afterward. We spent, no, no, we spent time like actually putting the song together. So like, I remember like both of us just blowing some didgeridoo riffs and I can't remember who does the blowing some riffs. I, I can't remember who does the <laughs> waves like br the yeah, wailing on that, that didge, but, um, I don't remember who did the breath, but I do remember that neither of us ever learned how to circular breathe. And just a little bit of backstory from what I remember from the didgeridoo is that you're, the whole concept is that you're breathing in from your nose as you're blowing out from your mouth. So it's called circular breathing. Still doesn't make sense to me. It's crazy. Still can't understand yeah. how that how they do that. But so we never learned it, like ever, which means that when we would blow these riffs into the didgeridoo, at some point you would just hear, huh? And I remember, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I remember recording that. I can't remember who d whose breath that is, but I do remember just one of us going like, like, "That has to be in the song. Like, it has. To, you just have to hear this this riff, and then you're <laughs> like, he's completely ran out of his breath. Was, so we worked we we worked on this song for a while. Like, we had a guitar, we had the didge, we were looking but at I, tracks. But I think I think I had like a beat, like like maybe the sort of like. The, the drums maybe I was listening to and I just recorded some stupid ass lyrics into a voice memo to that beat and then yeah Dylan then we came in and added like a little guitar and, little and then some didge some background didge uh, some breathing <laughs> I'll never I, honestly like I remember when he came down and the first line in that song is just uh, water dripping slowly from a faucet and I immediately died and was just the soul of the rest of it <laughs> Uh, I wanted it to. It's it's funny. Like I remember everything about this film. Like when when I first watched it, you first showed it to me, except the song. Like I forgot. I totally forgot about the song until I rewatched it before this, and like I couldn't stop laughing. A lot of the things that I find the funniest were the things that we just thought of filming. I'm sure we had a lot of other ideas too. Like I remember, Sai, an idea we had was the spider idea, which we flipped the coin on. Um, what was the spider idea? I'll let Cy describe it because he's the one who came up with the idea. Oh yeah, no, I think I don't think we flipped a coin. I think we asked Sarah or somebody, and she said like the your idea was funnier. Like it was the it was yeah my first experience of like having a creative difference and then going to an outside source to be like, well, which do you think is better? And then whenever they say it's like, oh, all right, okay, they said that they like that one better. It was a it was basically I was walking through nature or nature. I was walking through like some grass and trees and talking nature. <laughs> Yeah, it's, you're right. It's nature. He was walking in the bush. You no know, air quotes. Yes, in the bush. And um, so never now I'm not going to do an Australian accent. <laughs> and I'm talking about how in touch with my natural surroundings I am now since I started playing the didgeridoo. And then I, there, I pretend like, oh my god, oh, look, there's a spider on me, and I like freak out <laughs> and try to get it off me. And so I mean, it was in the same dumb humor vein that everything yeah. else in the Shane you. Sure it is. Do you remember what the debate was like? What the the idea that won? Like yeah, because the idea is still this, the idea is still in there. So we filmed. I was yeah, but I'm just saying like what was it? So what was the winning one that's in the film? Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll get to it. But I was just gonna say I remember watching it today and actually just laughing again because every time I watch it, there's another thing I noticed. But it's the scene where Simon is in the bedroom listening to some very aggressive didgeridoo music and like writing his song and just <laughs> trying to get me out of there because he doesn't want anyone disrupting him. But I I think the only I go back to it. I think the only reason I like that better size because it's it's like angry. So that your character doesn't have to fake 
like or like fake anything like your character is angry it's just the situation is funny like everything around you made me laugh like there's a surfboard you had a box of goon on the desk which i noticed it <laughs> this time and i just started laughing so hard now i i think that's one of my favorite scenes in it now i'm so glad we put that in because i think i think it's that's some of the acting that I'm most uh, proud of of myself because I actually do seem pretty upset and it also makes my character less sympathetic. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just stick. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, not finished yet. Like, I'll never forget the hands. Like, just <laughs> your hands kind of go up a little bit. Yeah. You're yeah, always yeah. shirtless. You know what I take offense to? I take offense to half the wardrobe is my wardrobe. Like, these are actually clothes I brought. That's a classic yeah. Dylan film trope, just like Dylan wants. Oh. Yeah, Lloyd and um, Arch were just wearing your closet. <laughs> but, I mean, Simon just had a knack for making... Like, I guess we combined it. I'd like to pretend that we combined my most outrageous outfits to make an outrageous one, but the truth is I was just wearing some real outrageous shit at the time. Like, the, the red shirt and pants is just such a classic look. I mean, to be fair, you, were, you weren't wearing those together. That was... We took, like, your most flamboyant piece of clothing and then pieced them together in ways that made no sense. Uh, which was fun, but the the, the Hawaiian shirt thing with the leaves on it was mine. But I think everything else would be worse. I love the the Hawaiian shirt and the leaves is classic when you're standing in the the bushes and you're talking about the wild and you just see like a dude with a selfie stick beyond you, <laughs> <laughs> the city right there. Oh my yeah. god! Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I was just saying, like, I feel like so many of this was just luck of having an idea on the spot and then doing it. Like I remember, and we, I mean, not to say we didn't put work in, like we woke up one day really early to get the sunrise. Um, and I remember neither of us wanted to go. It was like four in the morning and we were like, we had to take like a 40 minute Uber out to the beach or something. And it was just both super tired. Is that what that shot is of you with the camera that you were talking about earlier? Yeah. And that's when Simon's like sitting at the beach. We got some like B-roll stuff of him walking for the, so it worked out for the music video, worked out for like the beginning of the movie. It works out for the end of the movie because we reverse it to be like a um, a sunset shot. And when later when we went to the museum, like it gave us that idea of like, why don't we just have you sit in front of this TV that's showing the sunrise <laughs> and then zoom out to just show you watching the sunrise. Which oh, yeah. is still one of my I favorite do. moments. I was gonna say that's one of my favorite clips. I think one of my favorite, my easily one of my favorite scenes because it's it's your best improv to me, Simon, is when you're in the store and you're talking to the shop clerk and like that dude is so patient. Like I give him all the credit in the world for dealing with you, but I love when you're like he's like. No, you got to start with one. And you're like, oh, yeah, right. Start with one. I, I just, just want to buy them all. <laughs> okay, I know. That guy was great. Yeah, he was awesome. Omid Nair. I didn't remember his name because I just rewatched it. And his name was in the credits. Shout out. Uh, I felt like I was always trying to toe the line of being as silly and comedic as I could without going over the threshold of this clearly isn't a real person. I mean, obviously the people we were talking to knew we were shooting this satirical movie, but I still wanted the interactions, their reactions to me to f to be like a reaction to an actual person they were dealing with as opposed to like, I felt like if I leaned in too broadly and too big to comedy, then they were probably going to respond by also being like over the top and it wouldn't feel as wouldn't feel as realistic so i think i think that yeah. scene like he, he that the shop owner is a, such a great example he did a such a good job of like yeah being a little bit mad at me but being patient and 
polite, but you can still clearly see that he's just thinks I'm an idiot um, because I'm acting like an idiot, but but not in a way that's too too uh, yeah I don't know yeah he's just like what's wrong with this guy just grab one and go but I'm the same didgeridoo for way over Bryce when you like do the insanely hard cut when Simon says like how much he paid for the didgeridoo like how much did you actually pay it seems like you were cutting him off before he could say like 50 cents or something Uh, I think like the way you read it it sounded like he said $650 I think the total budget of this movie was about 150 bucks, and that was because we had to buy the didgeridoo. Maybe, well, we bought two. Um, we could get one was the second one. Yeah, yeah, one was like thirty dollars. I like also that like midway, we just don't even address that you have a new one. It's just there. <laughs> well, of course, I've collected more. I you found me in the shop. <laughs> <laughs> so excited. Um, He's blowing our riffs like one broke. You gotta get a new one. No, we bought that one that was like 150 bucks or something. And then I think I bought it because then eventually Simon brought it to Europe for me to give to my uncle who still has it. So every time I'm at my uncle's house, I try to play it. And I have to say the peak of our didgeridoo ability was probably this movie because we are we are playing terribly, but there are noises in this film that I can never replicate. Like, I don't know how we were able to get that far with this thing. I could play a decent sounding thing for like five to eight seconds and then it would just start to be like, blah, blah, like as, I, as I ran out of breath and there was no the, the amazing thing about watching the actual performers do it is how they can modulate and go you know what I mean for us it was just like one toad <laughs> yeah it was like one toad and depending on where your tongue was in your mouth it might change a little bit but like all the intercuts of questions is pretty much just uh, uh, oh mid right that was his name uh, that um, yeah, the shop yeah. owner playing things that we just kind of pulled off and like used it. I think one of the noises is one of Sai and I. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Check it out. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> My first ever didge. Yeah, I'm. I'm Super excited. Ready? Let's hear it. Let's see how it sounds. Let's see it. Let's see it. <laughs> I'm happy with that. Yeah, yeah. How much was that thing? Oh, you know, it was good. Uh, 650 Honestly, best money I've ever spent. I think we only went to that shop because it was the only one that I could, like, we found. Like, it was just center Sydney circular key. But he was just the perfect dude for it. I remember coming in and he's like, oh, I know exactly what you guys want to do. Like, dumbass white boy wants to learn, uh, like, the didgeridoo? I got you. I got you. Like, we didn't give him lines. Like, he, like, Sai's just touching didgeridoos. And he's just like, mate, don't touch the didgeridoos. <laughs> Honestly, that's, I feel like doing a, a film like this, just totally improv, is perfect to do in Australia because so many of the, so many Australians just easygoing and friendly. They'll kind of, yeah. unless you're really pissing them off, they'll kind of let you be your foolish self. It's just very, very strong banter culture. Even Pascal, the guy who comes at the end, like to sign this concert. Who was uh, that? Just the dude who worked at the university. Like <laughs> we asked him if we'd go and he just said all those things himself. <laughs> he just tell him to wear sunglasses and a, and and a, a fedora. Oh, fedora. He just did. <laughs> genius. Yeah, so I think it was like, yeah, I think you're right, Brad. There's something in that culture. Whenever you're kind of doing something satirical, the question is like where the joke is being played. Yeah. Like, are you kidding? Though. Yeah, of course. Like, are you making a joke about 
Simon the character or is the joke the the you know the context or the 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 subject the didgeridoo and like Aboriginal culture. We always very confident we were on the the side of Simon's the joke, which yeah, I'm curious if we if it's very strongly there. There's no yeah. part of me I thought the opposite. I'm curious, maybe we could talk about it in a bit, like if there's any sections we see now that we think ah, maybe we could have done it a little differently to like make sure that was stronger. But I always felt confident we were on that side. And from the majority of people that we had working with us on it, when we would give them the idea, I feel like they also felt we were pretty confident with that. Like we were just making sure that this joke was this stupid student, not necessarily the culture. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything I, I think... I would change based on those criteria. It, it's definitely uncomfortable to watch because yeah. of what the character's doing, but that was always the intention and was true then, and I think it's equally true now, but I don't think it's more uncomfortable. It, it was always just very uncomfortable, but yeah, I think we, we make it very clear. For one of the last sort of additions that we had was changing the text of the question titles, the little interstitial interview questions to be sort of sarcastically like sarcastic in tone as if like the person yeah like like everyone is in on the joke that this guy is so dumb except for him even the people making the film even the interviewers are like did you really make a music video and he's like yeah yeah you know and i feel like we, we maybe didn't even need to do that like that's one specifically but we were just like okay we need to make sure i think the only section that maybe i feel like that a little bit would be like the museum section um Maybe because like that's like traditional like uh, Aboriginal art and things and like basically the joke we're making is like this dude's just like either really into like the phallic image of a didgeridoo or like he's just so overly focused on like all these like didgeridoo looking things. Um, well, I, I, but it's I don't think so. No, well, you know I mean so. yes, but like not in a not in like a negative way. It's just like it's just the classic ignorant, arrogant character who like he's going overboard. And making you, the viewer, think that he's very in tune to the Aboriginal culture. By the way, he's examining the art. Yeah, yeah. I wanna... I, oh, go ahead, say. Oh no, you say you. Uh, I was just gonna. We want to just reiterate one more time that this is the character and not actually our partner, Simon Keenitz Kincaid. Yeah, no, I, 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 I get what you're saying with that part, Dylan. Because I'm saying, like, I'm saying, I love this art. It's so powerful, but it's a joke that I'm saying that. But it's not a joke because the art isn't interesting. It's a joke because I am not engaging with it in any meaningful way. I'm just sort of dilettanting. Yeah, you're dilettanting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I and I feel like I definitely tried to play up this element of the character that is like just you know interested in spirituality at a very surface level and thinks anything that's not like a white cultural thing that he's familiar with is automatically so spiritual. Honestly, it reminds me like when, when we first watched um, Clairvoyant, the the mm -hmm. film Arthur and Michaela that you guys did an interview with on the podcast, I was like, oh my God, they just did the same. They like- Yeah, they I thought the same thing. I, I honest to God thought the same. And I was I was curious if, uh, if they actually ended up watching this, if anyone sent it to him, because I truly think- I did send it to him. I don't know if they watched it though. It's like almost the exact same story, except instead of yoga, it's just like the down under, down under in the didgeridoo. But it's, it's almost a, the same thing. A, a character just so ripe for parody, just such an easy target. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. I a mean, white that's cosmopolitan. Just 
that's just a good like i mean it's a it's a bankable sort of comedy that is really if you do it well i mean there's obviously a way to do it wrong but if you do it well and you tread that line well it, it's like you're saying it's meant to be uncomfortable but it's almost kind of long lasting because the uncomfortable the uncomfortable moments are really coming from that character that's just so easy to make fun of right but other than that there's not really any other scenes that like i guess the one that we usually got the most ooze to like the ones that if i remember when we had the festival was when you sit down with the the guys on the street because I think most people didn't think we talked to those guys. I think you mm. kind of just like rocked up to them and sat down. That guy was so like friendly with you. Like there was no part of him. I mean, I know you talked to him, but like there's no part of it that looks like you're like raining on his parade. He's just still doing his thing. And he's like, yeah, you can like try to do it with me. <laughs> and he's actually showing me, uh, showing me, trying to teach yeah, me stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And if it's anything, hurt. yeah. Oh, go ahead, Sai. No, you go, you go. I was just going to say, if anything, it just makes you look fucking worse. Because, like, yeah. these guys are so unbelievably friendly to you. <laughs> I know. It's perfect because we have the the members of that community kind of being a little confused, but accepting and, and willing to let me just dick around with them. But then you have the audience, the built-in audience of all the people walking by who are like what is going on who is this person you know what i mean and that's that's they're standing in for the audience watching the film it's the same thing of like we're all watching this happen like this is not okay um i feel like we i think maybe there was one or two of those passers-by on the street that we maybe said to like hey can you react to what he's doing but i think not, there were some also some genuine reactions, reactions that you captured of, of just confusion an alarm. <laughs> well, the scene, the thing that really I think just sells that as being the most uncomfortable is like what we just discussed. Just in general, I don't think people realize that we talked to these guys beforehand. So it just looks like you come rocking up to the gates, like then sit down. Just what you do that like weird like feel like yeah. Yeah. you do that like weird little thing when you get down to like the ground. And you knock over a bottle. Yeah, um, it's that. It's also the fact that you just blow like a fucking fart out of that tree <laughs> too. <laughs> Hopefully, they learned something from me too. <laughs> yeah, that to me is just the like it just wraps back the arrogance of the character. Like, yeah, like we taught each other things, you know. <laughs> that's like clearly what we. That's clearly not what we just saw. It's an exchange. It's a cultural exchange. I was gonna ask you if you remembered the experience of screening it for our abroad program and just that experience in general, but also like which moments you remember getting the biggest reactions to. Yeah. I remember, I I remember two like two times we screened it. I think the only two times. Um, the first time, I think we went last, and I think we asked to go last. But you have a much better yes, memory, Rowan, so maybe maybe I'm wrong. Um, do you remember going last? Yeah, I think so. This is when we screened it for like the whole program, right? It was like a couple. Yeah, a couple. I remember maybe a hundred people. I don't know. <clears throat> I remember, but... Yeah, it wasn't the whole program, but it was like people who wanted to come to see the student films, and I remember going last because. Ours was definitely the longest. I think the prompt was like a two to four minute video and we came rocking mm. in at 12 and a half. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So like, I, I think Sai and I were the only ones in that film class pretty passionate about making movies. I think most of the other students that were in that film class were either in it because like it was something to do or kind of artistic cool, broad to what we were doing. Take. 
I, yeah. I don't remember Sai. I remember I remember like Sarah did a video that was actually really nice, but it was a foodie video of like all the different types of food that you could get in Australia, just going to different places and trying that out. And then Maddie did like a little comedy skit. It was pretty much the skit about like dating in Australia. But Sai and I were the only ones that were like, we're going to make an actual short film. So please put us last because it's long. Um, and I just remember getting a lot of laughs, which made me happy. I can't remember specifically in that viewing where, where we got the laughs, but I do remember getting I remember like, two spots. I remember two spots that got big laughs were the the zoom out from the sunrise on the TV to reveal the yeah, that's, TV. Yeah, that's and that's the, great. the biggest one was the superimposition of me jumping over the kangaroo. Hundred <laughs> percent. I wanted to get that's to that. The that, one that really. I don't remember who came up with that idea. I didn't uh, want to ask do, about that too. So I I have no idea. It could have been our teacher for all I remember. All I, all I could tell you is that that might still be my favorite thing. And I remember sign me looking for ages to find like a jumping kangaroo that would work for that shot. I mean, th this is really work. Like, no, but no, but, but no, like, and it, it still works in a funny way. It's just not even, no, but you needed like, you, you needed like most of the things I was finding was like aerial shots of kangaroos jumping. Like what you really needed was the perfect yeah. side angle to what we filmed it was like yeah. Simon on that edge and it just worked well. Um, but yeah, I do remember that. I think I remember um, I remember one other section that didn't get a laugh, but kind of got like, did I just see what I thought I just saw, which was you naked under the waterfall. And I did have a question that, like, about that as well. Yeah, that is like, to me, anytime I see it, such a missed opportunity of just like amateur mm, filmmaking. Yeah. Like you, you, you gave me some compliments about being good with the camera, but on that day we used an iPhone and stupid me decided to film vertical instead of horizontal. That was my just, question. Like, why yeah. the fuck is that thing so fat? We should have just, I'm we so just put it in vertical. Why did we stretch it out? We should have just put I don't, it in yeah. vertical video. I, really, I don't know why we didn't. I, I, yeah, just I do, really yeah, don't know why I did like, that. Hand across the screen of you naked. <laughs> yeah, like, I really don't know why we didn't do that and just, like, put something behind it. Because I think because I was just so embarrassed. I couldn't believe that we went all the way out there, which took us a while to get there, got all these shots, and then... I turned all my dang clothes off. <laughs> yeah, and I had to convince him to do it. I remember like we like we were on a rock and the whole idea was like we're gonna have Simon like pretend to jump off the rock, even though real life Simon would totally jump this rock. I've seen him do it. Like in the movie, we're gonna have him edge to the side and then go like this and <laughs> then just cut him at the bottom of it in the music video. So it was like we just like edited him jumping off. We get all those shots and he's like Simon looks at me and just goes, Is there anything else you want to get? And I was like, I really want to get you naked under that waterfall with a dig in front of your balls. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, all right, well, what do you want to get? Well, now that's the only thing in my head. That's <laughs> what I remember you saying. And we ended up doing it, which I'm just so upset that I fucked that one up. But so in the viewing, I remember people like questioning if that's what they saw because it's such a warped looking fucking shot. Yeah. Did you feel used after that, Simon, seeing how wasted of an opportunity that picture was? Uh, I mean, it was it was funny. I knew it was that, funny. To answer your, the last part of your question on that first viewing is the last part I remember, and this was totally not planned, which again, just I think half this film is just luck and just perseverance of doing it, was Mark, our um, program director, came up to us afterwards and told us that the last shot of like the credits with the sun going down resembles the aboriginal flag and that he thought that was like a really nice gesture and i uh -huh. remember us thinking 
oh my God, I didn't even plan that, but that's just such a nice thing yeah. like that. You know, we, we had that kind of be the ending of the film. So what about you, Sai? What do you, do you remember our second viewing? I answered the first viewing. What's the second one? Wait, I don't remember the second viewing. What's this? What was the second viewing? We, we got into a festival at BU. Um, that was oh. run by Thomas Kelty. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And we were the we were close to the audience vote. Like I can't remember how wow. much the one that one cost, but you remember the kid made a fucking film about um, it was like a, a Edgar Allan Poe short about a dude getting like you know sealed up in a brick wall or something, and that mm-hmm. short cost so much money. Like you could already tell, like it was just like so well done, but at least a couple thousand. And Simon and I came in there with like $150 short. And I think we're easily some of like people's favorites in that festival too. Yeah. Well, every time I watch it, because we did submit to some sort of like more established festivals and I don't think we got into any. And every time I watch it, I'm like, yeah, I I understand why this like a film festival can't play this there because it's just so lo-fi, so amateur and just like so shitty. But at the same time, it's so good. Like it, I mean, it's yeah. really it's, back to what we were saying earlier, it makes it funnier yeah it's it's just it's very much so like one of those golden nugget videos that you find on youtube like that's that's the vibe it gives off and that's it's always a good thing people people love those types of videos like i think five years from now you just throw it on with your friends you're like oh i forgot about this thing and everyone has a good time rewatching it but when we screened at that second festival if you forget like people came up to us afterwards and we're like i thought you should have won the audience one because like we didn't end up getting anything from that festival and people were telling us that we were one of their favorites in there. I remember Angelica coming up to us and being like, you were so funny. That was great. Um, but I do remember that response in Boston was a little bit more cringy. Like everyone in Australia, I think, had gotten used to that sort of banter, a little over the top, like humor. Like people were a little less sensitive to things. And then in Boston, we were watching it and there were moments where people, they were still laughing, but specifically when you sat down with the the street performers, everyone was like, <gasps> And I was like, oh, come on, guys, it's not that bad. You well, know, also, like, like a lot more gasps and stuff. But wouldn't the people in Australia, like, they're in your program, so you they knew you guys fairly well at that point compared to, like, That's just true. a bunch of random BU people. So it's like laughing along with the ride of these these two guys, you know, who made this, like, ridiculous video. And they knew the locations and all the little... Australia jokes we were making that was the perfect audience to see it with because we yeah, all absolutely. just gone through this program together and yeah I just re- yeah. I do remember that experience being so so gratifying and so enjoyable as just having being a very uh novice filmmaker and just making something and watching people laugh and be like oh, okay like yeah, that was people liked it you know it, it doesn't really matter much more than just the fact that some people who saw it enjoyed it and that was enjoyable for me to experience i'm glad we got to have that experience with it you almost say the exact same thing in the actual film towards the oh end. shit that by sharing my art with them they can sort of gain something and just get a taste of all the cultural experience that i've had while i've been here hopefully people can uh enjoy it as much as i've enjoyed uh preparing for it I think we could have probably actually filled out the seats for the concert scene at the end if we wanted to, but we just thought it would be funnier if it was like Sarah and Pascal. But we could have probably easily gotten a bunch of people to fill those seats up. But it's got to be empty, of course. Yeah. That was that was a big part of the whole thing of making the joke on the character, not, you know, like 
if he's doing something that's not that cool, he has to fail, you know, and, and that's, it's satisfying and it's a little bit sad at the same time. I feel like I just have one of those faces that you kind of feel bad for. <laughs> so it, it works at the ending where you're like, oh, he's, she does, he means well, but just no, 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 I just, <laughs> do you think that like, this was a question that I had watching it now is like, is there anything that you would really change? Um, I'm just staring at your nipples right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> My answer um, is the naked shot being filmed correctly. Yeah. That's, me, man. I, that's my fault. But like anything of like, the performance that, or like though. the style, mm. like the question I have is I feel like, I mean, we don't have so, so much work, but we've been like, we've steadily gotten more busy and done things definitely more professionally. And we've, I would say that the three of us working together now for five years, just like continue to learn and grow and get better. But I'm amazed that going back to this one at like how good I think it is like how funny I think it is how I other people react to it and is the the question I have there is that did we kind of nail it the first time really well and on a lucky level or is it because the stakes are so low on the project alone that you can get away with more because it's just meant to be one like 12 minute joke I think the real luck of that experience and the way that it turned out was just us realizing that we collaborated well together and have the same sense of humor and can play off of each other and yeah that's i feel like that then just can translate and scale up to bigger and bigger things um but yeah the stakes were very low but that's also what made it the most fun i think like i i think it does help that it was so it was just meant to be a joke that everything could be a lot less like serious i also think we were at a point in our lives where we weren't thinking necessarily like this is my career this better be the best goddamn thing i make because it's going to be my ticket right and i don't think i think we do a healthy check of not always doing that to ourselves but i also think that like the stakes just in general on projects we work on now are a little bit higher because this is like we're not in students anymore right and when you could just like strip away all that stuff and have fun with it and just like decide like we're just going to make like a fun thing and that doesn't have a lot of like pressure then you you know it's it, it is kind of fun uh, or it is just less, it, it, it might just end up better. I think I said this on the last podcast or two podcasts ago, but if you forget to have fun on your project, then your audience is not going to have fun watching it. Like, I really believe that. Yeah. Um, Especially for a film like this, like you got to show people that you were having fun making it. Yeah. I, I think I came into it or before, before this project, the films that I had made or things that I wanted to make, I had a little bit of that mentality as a young film student that you were describing that was like, everything I make has to be so good and it has to be an expression of who I am, the artist I am. And it's got to be like, you know, putting a lot of pressure on yourself very early on. And here there was no opportunity to really do that because we had no, no supplies, no budget. Like we would just had to fly by the seat of our pants. And I realized afterwards having finished it and I was like, oh, this is actually the first thing I've made. This one, this thing, the throwaway, stupid, silly bullshit project is the first thing I've actually made that I want to show people that I'm like, I'm really proud of this. And that was kind of an indicator to me of that, um, of that approach that you're talking about, Dylan, where it's like, oh, maybe, maybe that actually can lead to better, more satisfying, uh, work and better, more satisfying experiences, making things to not have that pressure. And, and that was another part of the collaboration is that we kind of fit the missing pieces for each other where like I had produced some stuff, but I hadn't really written things and you had written things, but you hadn't produced stuff. And it was like, oh, okay, this, this, yeah, together. 
it was like a mutual respect thing, but I was truly like, I remember sounds like, yeah, my first film I released got like 1,500 views on YouTube. It was like 1,500 fucking views. I'm so uh, jealous right now. I believe it, it's uh, more like 12,000. Oh, 12,000? 10,000? 10, 10, 10, I can't remember, but yeah, it put it out on high school and it got like close to 10,000 views. But it was also just the silliest, dumbest comedy thing ever. <laughs> oh, well, I want to watch that. What is it I didn't know that. I was looking at your YouTube today. I was like, is this the one that I got like really jealous about? The the Dracula one? No, it was a it was a YouTube channel that I had with two friends where we made like sketch stuff that uh it's it's still up there. I can I'll send it to you guys. It's cool. Please do. Uh yeah. Why can't it oh whip it? It's about us doing whippets. <laughs> <laughs> I like Simon saying, we kind of just brought those things to the table that were separate. And I feel like the whole time in Australia with Simon, because we were almost inseparable always together, it was almost like the, the like that scene in uh Step Brothers was like, Do you want to do karate in the garage? Like we just kind of like matched so well and like kind of really? just knew how to like kind of work with each other. And that just continued, you know, that that just kept going. I do, oh, yeah. I do appreciate the uh during the end of the music video. Um, I just think it's the end of the video where it's Simon throwing the boomerang again, but you just reversed it to make him catch it like it went back to him. <laughs> Dude, I've had people ask me how he caught that thing. I no, actually, it's yeah. so obvious. <laughs> Dude, I, 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 um, I'm almost positive that Dom and my dad both were like, how did he catch that? And I was like, oh, we just reversed God. the footage. Because <laughs> it's that. like a whip back. It's, it's also so the good. same exact clip from before. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, I think there's there's a few things in there. A lot of the mistakes are quote intentional, but there's also some mistakes that we just ran out of time to fix because it was like due for our class, and so we just had them in there still that I think we would have like tried what? to fix. I like the, in the music. I think it's mostly in the music video. There's just like random shots that are there for like one second that you could tell we just dragged a clip over top of another one, but like. It didn't extend all the way out, and we just never took the bottom one away or dragged the other one to cover it fully. There's, or, there's like the, a, that works though when you're doing like intentionally making like a bad music video. Exactly. That's a it's a terrible like a, music video. I think it's actually it was funny. I came in here. I was like, oh, we're gonna talk about what we liked about it and what we could have done better and what like you know what we would change now. And most of our conversation was nothing we would change because it was that fucking good. No cap. I know. If you compare that to Dilettante's something we worked so much harder on for so much longer and put so like you know is more money more impressive achievement more money everything but there are so many things that we wish we could change about it versus this we're like no it is perfection uh, for anyone interested you can watch the digital douche on our youtube channel karen twins productions thanks guys um, it was fun talking with you it was a blast <laughs>